Hello everyone, I'm Izzy Wells and welcome to Hot Stuff, where we discuss current hot topics that we think deserve your attention. From social issues to popular culture, we'll be keeping you up to date on relevant and unique Taiwan-related content every Tuesday. Last week, I had the amazing Sean and Judy from Animal Care Trust. I really hope you enjoyed listening to part one of that interview and found it insightful into the situation on animal rescue here in Taiwan. Now, today, I will be bringing you part two of the interview, so stay tuned. Would you say the situation has improved over the like 23 years or so that you've kind of been involved in the situation here in Taiwan? There are immense improvements and we've still got a long way to go, but the the rate of improvement is better than anywhere else that I know. Um, But sometimes it stalls. For example, Mm. as you know, we've had this massive problem with traps and snares. Yes. Um, On the very edge of the city. Can we explain for our listeners who aren't familiar what this problem is, what's what's happening? Yeah. So it's people in rural areas, but rural can be right on the edge of like Xindian or something like that. And largely they're using traps, which are like bear traps. I think most Americans and, and in England we call them gin traps. Mm-hmm. It's basically like an open mouth made out of metal. And when the animal steps in it, it just snaps shut on their yeah. foot. They're not used quite so much now, but we're trying to rescue one in, in Fulong with that on his foot right now. Um, and snares, which is just like a, a noose that they slip, they step in the, the loop and that releases a spring that then snaps this on their foot. And it's mostly by, well, they're poachers, for mm. want of a better word, who are trying to catch wild boar and deer, mostly in the wintertime when those animals come down from the mountain tops. Mm. They say that it's because they're threatening their crops. So they're putting out these traps and snares to stop huh. the pigs. But then they happen just to sell the pig or eat the pig. And so, so they're trying it, to catch is wildlife. Is it illegal? It, um, it became, uh, traps were made illegal several years ago. And then snares were made illegal, I think, was it last year or the year before, on my birthday? Oh, that was, was a fantastic. great gift then. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So they are illegal largely. Mm. Aboriginals are allowed to apply for a license to use them in designated areas. But the last time we spoke to the Animal Protection Office, at least for Taipei, they didn't know of any that had applied and and got any. So all the ones that are out there are illegal. But that's another part of what we do. We don't just go out and rescue these animals from immense suffering. By the way, we've got something like 240 dogs and nearly 70 of them have lost at least one foot to these devices. Mm. So we also go out and catch the bad guys. Yeah. And it's it's really starting to tip in our favor now because we've got the technology. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got... Um, cameras, just just tiny little cameras that you can mount places. Exactly. And capture mm. who's putting down the traps. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we've got a thermal imaging drone, which has transformed Amazing. our rescues. But mm. we can also use it for following the poachers. Mm. We know they're motorbikes. Now we just got to get them on camera. Okay. And these drones can zoom in. That's and they don't genius. Even know so as you can even use them at night when you can't really see You're not allowed screen. to fly them at night. But if I get my search and rescue license, mm-hmm. I might be able to... And fly it at night. That's awesome. So, is there more of like uh, the the amount of animals? Is it kind of fairly evenly distributed around Taiwan, or would you say more like in the north versus the south? I mean, you've said maybe a bit more in rural areas rather than cities. But is there that kind of like distribution, or is it is it hard to hard to say? I think it's everywhere. But like Tainan, you'll see a lot. Um, mm. Pingdong, um, Hualien, Taoyuan, Xindian. 
<laughs> yeah, I think for us, it's like where we're based. Sure. So we're going to be doing far more rescues close to where we're based and we're, we're known more up here. Mm. But um, And you say rural, which is true for us, mm. but someone like the SPCA might be called out more to the city for people keeping animals in cages yes, or, right. or in, in other ways not taking good care of their, their pets. Mm. So it, there's really no... There's no cut off, sure. You know, um, animal abuse or and and often it's not abuse; it's it's ignorance. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's rampant really mm-hmm. everywhere, and it's not a Taiwanese problem. We know that because that's the other thing. You know, you get people on Facebook when I make a post yeah. about a, a dog in a snare. Those people Trolls. in Asia, mm. you know, and I say actually no, <laughs> um, the snares are illegal here. Unlike and I've checked their profile. Unlike in the USA. Oh. Yep. Or Canada or the yeah. UK. Mm, yes, um, you're still allowed to use bear traps and snares in the US. It's yeah. pretty scary. Yeah, so they're, they're very quick to point the finger. And we're always defending the Taiwanese. And I point out 95 or whatever is percent of our funding mm. comes from very kind Taiwanese people. You're talking about a minority. It's not mm. fair mm. to, you know... Um, stereotype. Stereotype the whole mm. uh, Taiwanese nation. It's a very kind, mm. um, uh, lovely place. It's just that yeah. when someone does something horrific... Right, you, that sticks in your you brain. You hear about sure. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, com- if you compare if you compare the Taiwan, you know, uh, animal welfare situation with the U.S., mm-hmm. I, I worked, I volunteered quite a bit with the Massachusetts SPCA back in the day. Definitely fewer cases, obviously, of bear traps or snare snares, but you do get far more reports of animal abuse, yeah. dog fighting, yeah, um, more, I guess, quote unquote, urban problems. But in Taiwan, you very rarely, I've actually never heard of a dog fighting. No seen or of any kind in Taiwan. Yeah, and that reminds me of something else. Mm. They'll say, I know why that dog's had his foot cut off. They wanted to eat him. Oh, no. Are those Asians? <laughs> and we say, uh, no, that doesn't happen in Taiwan. Unlike in the USA and the UK where dog eating is still legal. But nobody mm. knows about it. No one knows about it. Mm. You can't, I think there's laws about, you know, slaughtering and there's rule, there's laws about buying and selling, but it's not illegal. And it is in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. But that's where I was saying to you, there's a lot of progress, but we've got the laws, but... Perhaps not the enforcement fully yet. Yeah. Sure. For example, when we catch poachers, we have to catch them, we have to get the evidence, and we have to identify the person. Wow. We'll send them a clear video, and they'll say, well, we don't know how to identify this person. So we have to find his motorbike, or we have to put his photo on the internet and in the most legal way possible. But it's kind of crazy, because I feel like other stuff, like even if you're just... Uh, like reporting like someone who's hasn't indicated correctly or something like that <laughs> it's like crazy easy right yeah and you get a, a yeah. fine like straight in the post but but maiming hundreds of animals oh i don't yeah. know how to identify it's a shame. yeah because i said if i if this guy had parked his car in the wrong place and mm. caused an accident they'd identify him straight away yeah. but there is this thing and i i do understand it i don't like it but you know how it is in taiwan it's not all about you know, going in gun to blazing and, and mm. arresting. There's a lot of mediation. They don't want to upset people. Yes. And in, in many ways, I, I appreciate that. But not when there's someone who's doing something that's causing animals to lose their limbs over yeah. a period of several weeks. And even the APO are reluctant to go after these people mm-hmm. because there's the cultural thing. There's the not wanting to upset Aboriginals. There's mm-hmm. not wanting mm-hmm. to upset farmers. Mm-hmm. But I can go in as the stupid foreigner. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> <Great> fast. <laughs> um, let's talk more about the animals. So uh, how many animals have you both rescued? Is oh, it hard no. to say? Can you even count? Roughly. We do. We count them. Oh, well, we actually... Okay, tell, yeah. tell us. 
2,000 and... Just short of 2,500. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, I'd say about 1,500 of them we've done together. Mm. I did about 1,000 before I met Judy. Um, that, that really is, you know, it's very... There's no words, I guess. Like yeah. 2,000, almost just shy of 2,500 souls or, you know, have you guys yeah. to think. Thank um, you. And, and I often say it. I'm not sure if I really mean it, but I often say all the difficulties and, and sacrifices we've made would have been worth it for one. Yeah. And it... it, it it really does feel like that because when you see one dog running around with his leg literally hanging off mm. and you can save him if if i was that dog i'd want someone to do whatever it took yeah mm. so there is that that's the that's the ultimate reward for us isn't it yeah. taking suffering transforming their life and uh, whether we give them sanctuary in a nice garden setting or we get them adopted into a home it's, it's yeah it's all worth there. it would you say there are any misconceptions about rescue dogs in taiwan here when when people talk about misconceptions about rescue dogs um they usually want to us to say uh yeah you should adopt a rescue dog it's just as good as a purebred dog but actually when it comes to the taiwan two gold they're they're not first generation strays and so actually um two goes don't make the easiest pets a lot of the time they're, they're very different to a, a labrador or something yes. and that's one of the reasons why we don't ship dogs to the usa they don't know what they're getting and we know from the there are facebook groups of people who've adopted a taiwan two mm-hmm. goal some of them in fact quite a lot of them got theirs from a shelter in the u.s which what it means is they're shipping them out and then what the people who get them uh, they're not getting what they expect they're not getting this highly trained animal that's used to people um they're probably just putting up with people but a little bit nervous and they end up running away or they end up just putting them in the shelter mm-hmm. so we we don't believe in in one adding to the million or so that get killed in the u.s every year for lack of good homes but also we're not into the numbers i know 2500 sounds like a lot but in 23 years it's only a 100 a year it's not really huge um but we're into quality. It just so happens we've never said no, so that is the maximum we could have done. Um, but we we don't just want to get rid of the dogs. We want to make sure they're going to a good situation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we prefer to keep them all in Taiwan. And um, over the many years that you've been working in animal rescue, what are some of the most common conditions that you've found animals in? Skin disease, mm. car accidents, or trap and snare. The vast majority of trap yeah. and snare. That's mm-hmm. that's most of what we do. And it, it, it doesn't need to be happening. And we often say if there was no traps and snares in Taiwan, we could put our feet up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the bulk sure. of what we do. Okay. If you come to our place, you'll see. Yeah. In every garden, there's one or two dogs with a, mm-hmm. a foot missing. Could you talk us through the process of the rescue, like right from the start to the end? So that you get the phone call. Yeah. I get the phone call. I quickly finish the book that I'm reading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There'll be a phone call or there'll be a a Facebook message. Mm -hmm. And we have to judge if we have to go or not. And it's not that we're being lazy, but we have limited resources. If we can see the dog is in a bad way, we, we just drop everything and, and we'll go so as judy described earlier she'll be trying to work out what i need to know it's mm-hmm. not just me we have other rescuers a guy called ross and we've got a new rescuer coming on board soon but try and get all the information that we would need to find the dog to know what his um mental state might be how aggressive he is how friendly how easy it's going to be what equipment we'll need to take we've got many ways of catching dogs so we've got to work out what would be the best 
equipment to take with us for the thing. And then we arrive and then it's trying to find the dog. And having this drone now is a game changer. Mm. It can go up and with the thermal imaging, we can find a dog sleeping in grass and they've got no idea we spotted them. <laughs> and we can also plot the route to get to the dog without his buddies alerting him. So we've got to find the dog. We've got to work out what the dog does, where he goes, where he eats, where he goes if he's scared. And then from there, we can work out the best spot to set up the trap or to net him or something like that. And very, very, very rarely, and that happened just a little while ago, right, with um, Cassidy, he'll just walk up to you and you put a leash on him and you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but there's also an element of disappointment because where's the fun in that? <laughs> Actually, he's done very well because he was he was in such a lot of pain when the oh, when, man. when the people videoed him. But most dogs in Taiwan, you can't just walk up to and, and say, "Come on, we're going to help you." So um, we we might be lucky and get him right then, or I might have to sleep in the car because the best time to find a dog is at dawn when yeah. they're just like slowly emerging. It's the first light. It's not easy catching a dog in the dark. Mm-hmm. If it's a dog in a trap or a snare, we'll go in the middle of the night. And we'll, because we can hear the barking in the jungle, and we'll go into the jungle at night because we know the dog can't go anywhere. Mm. And the, the quicker you get them out of the, the trap, the, the better chance they've got of saving their limb. Mm. But if it's a dog that's already injured, we'll wait until dawn. Um, and then however long it takes, and sometimes it can take weeks, which is horrible, especially mm. when you've posted about it on Facebook and everyone, have you got a dog yet? And we feel awful. And because on Facebook, you see, there's the report of the dog. Here's us rescuing the dog. You don't see us sleeping in the car for two <laughs> weeks to try and get this dog and not getting any sleep. And in the passenger side, there's all these crisp packets because that's oh. all I've been able to eat <laughs> while I'm doing this. Um, but once we get the dog, then Judy has to call around and see which vet we don't owe too much money to. <laughs> and, um, which one will, will let us take the dog there. There's there's many points that, that are like these uh, addictive reward points right when you first catch the dog you're like oh this dog's gonna get better soon mm-hmm. then when you get i say dogs we rescue cats monkeys just mm-hmm. for ease of conversation then when you get into the vet and now you're passing over this horrible situation and now you know this dog has now got the best chance possible we, mm-hmm. we found the perfect vet usually a 24-hour vet because we want them to be observing them around the clock our death rate dropped when we stopped using vets that lock dogs in cages by the way, if any listeners have a sick dog and the, and the vet says needs to stay here, if it's not a 24-hour vet, don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. If a dog needs to stay at the vet, you need. so does the vet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and then um, we try and raise money to pay for the, the vet bill and we go and get the dog out. And then the other bit that we love, especially for a very thin or maybe a skin disease dog, is that they'll come to our house or they'll go to the sanctuary and they get their first proper food we don't give dry food we don't give processed food the the oldest dogs in the world none of them got these scientific diets right and when you give them just like fresh meat and bones and organ and seaweed powder and egg and fish oil and you watch them wolf it down you feel like you're playing a video game you just <laughs> you just jumped on one of those the, the energy up things you, you really imagine that's what's happening yeah. inside their body and then from there, you watch them just getting stronger and they look healthier. And old dogs can actually become younger. And then from there, it would be, we try and get them adopted straight from there. They're either at our house or they're in the, the one of the buildings at our sanctuaries. But once they've um, taken all their meds and they've had their stitches out, then they get moved into a garden. So we do try and get them into a home before they move into a garden. Um, but otherwise, that's what they'll do. 
and then then they they have to kind of get used to this new life of less freedom but still nice environment and definitely safe and definitely happy and, and loved. good food mm. yeah great great raw food yeah so you must have had to you know at the same time witness a lot of distressing and harrowing moments like does that take a toll on your personal life and have like quite an emotional impact on you both we've broken up like 20 times (laughs) (laughs) still divorced i think (laughs) you're laughing we are i had to adopt my own son because he was born at the beginning of covid and we couldn't rush over to hong kong and remarry oh right so but that's the that's the genuine answer to your question Mm. is the the stress it's very stressful, very stressful. But um, I kind of get used to this now. You know, once mm-hmm. I see those poor animals in very bad condition, I don't feel so much. I just know what I need to do now. Mm. That's right now. But before, maybe, yeah, we all get very influenced. Mm. Has there ever been a point where you think it's just too much and you don't know if you can... Just every day. Count? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think it's the most difficult thing to deal with is disappointment. And for Mm. us, it's when the people who are supposed to be helping us actually work against us. Mm. And all the worst things that have happened to us, all the things we've been reported for, or, you know, the government coming up, it's it's been done by people who should be on our side. The APO, the Animal Protection Office, they spend most of their time coming and looking for things to fine us for. Yeah, so anyway, this is the point is, you think everyone's going to be on your side. But the, you know, Judy said that we get used to these awful things that we see, and we do, but still still especially if we're tired and we're like how can someone do this how can someone do this and the the most harrowing one recently was that puppy luna we got a phone call from a lady who said she'd been feeding dogs in the area and she just found a puppy not moving she put him into this abandoned car and she was like a long way away like like an hour hour and a half away and we're saying can you please take the puppy to the vet we'll pay the bill no i'm too busy so i I was on another rescue, but this one was more urgent. So I mm-hmm. raced there and we got the video on our Facebook page um, as I found the dog, the puppy in this car. And I'm not kidding. When I reached in, I couldn't see. It was just garbage. It looked like garbage. And it was actually a, an old, you know, those thin raincoats you buy in 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. Lifted it off and there was the puppy on a bit of cardboard. And I went to stroke her and it was like a piece of meat in the freezer. Oh. It was that cold. And I couldn't believe that this lady had just left her there so that for me was heartbreaking this was a puppy the puppy was about what three or four months old maybe four oh months man old. no fur no fur mm. and this was the middle of winter mm. she had skin disease so someone had watched her get like that and i raced to the nearest vet which was half an hour away and there were such great vets and they they put her in their operating room with a, a heat lamp on her and um 36 hours later she passed away she she really struggled to survive and that was heartbreaking for me we, can, we get used to the old dogs passing away. But the young dogs. But the young dogs and, and these things that just shouldn't be happening to them. They shouldn't. They should be able to walk around in the countryside without stepping in a trap or snare that's going to take off their foot or mm. two of their feet or three of their feet. The disappointment wasn't, you know, all about that lady. It was just that this, this shouldn't be happening to this puppy. They, should, yeah. they shouldn't be in that situation in the first mm. place. And people should have raised the alarm sooner. talk then about how everyone can can help so like for our listeners um if anyone spots an animal in distress what should they do they can call us they should take a video or a picture mm-hmm. so 
we can see what they can do at the spot. Maybe there's something they can take the dog like to the vet to to see if they have microchips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The first like the first thing that um, someone can do is to assess whether or not they themselves can help. Exactly, because mm-hmm. they're the ones there. Yeah. By the time yep. we arrive, it might be a different story. Mm-hmm. And often we get people saying, "I found puppies," and we really wish we could bring them all in. But the absolute truth is, if they just get some video of these puppies at the side of the road, and you just put them on Facebook and say, "There's these puppies here. I've got no room for them. I don't want to leave them here. Mm. Please, can someone?" We did that on holidays. Remember, we had a, a weekend away finally, <laughs> and we found puppies at the side of the road, oh, and we got them all adopted from our our hotel room. We've got a big audience, but our audience sees our posts appealing for people to adopt our mm. dogs all the time. But if you see puppies, you've got a bunch of friends that aren't exposed to all the posts that we make. You actually have an untapped market. And when you post, look at these puppies and we'll share it for you. Mm-hmm. And puppies are easy to get adopted. Kittens are easy to get adopted. Mm. If it's an injured animal, you're better off contacting us. Okay. So you can go to our Facebook page. If you're an English speaker, go to Animal Care Trust. I think it's ACT Animal Care Trust. And if you're a Chinese speaker, you can go to ACT for Animals Mm -hmm. and you can send us the information. But if we haven't responded, call 24 hours. What future goals do you have for developing like ACT? I I really hope that because right now in Taiwan, there's no legal private shelter. Mm. So everything we built can be a problem later because the government doesn't have a proper license for us to apply. Mm. So I really hope in the future soon we can have something like that to apply and a bit more um, security. Yeah, we want to be as professional as possible, but that means that the the laws and the government needs to be there too. Mm. Uh, Judy just mentioned that there are, as far as we know, there are no legal buildings for dog shelters. Yeah. Mm including government ones, Mm. only started becoming legal recently because the process is so difficult, even the government couldn't apply. So a lot of the government shelters are illegal. We we were about to start working on a charity animal hospital. Mm. And that started happening just before COVID hit. We've already got the equipment, got donated, a retiring vet donated everything in his clinic, the whole clinic. So we just need the building now, and then we need the, the vets to come and work for us. That's our, one of our most immediate goals. Mm. Uh, and to, to be fully funded so we're not stressed every time yes. payday is rolling <laughs> yeah. So we, obviously you're on Facebook, both ACT for Act for Animals and uh, Animal Care Trust. So uh, besides that, is there, are there other platforms we can share you guys on? Um, we, do have, we do have Instagram, um, but the website. Okay. If you mm-hmm. if you search for animalcaretrust.org. Dot org. Um, okay, okay. We've expanded it to dot org dot uk. If you go to our website, you'll get a very good understanding of what we do. Facebook is where it's almost like a live diary. Okay. A, a live you can blog. really keep up to date on yeah. everything you're doing there. Yeah. Um unfortunately we've come to the end of our time. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in today and also thank you so much for the work you do. It's really yeah. amazing. You guys are so amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it, it's a team effort. It really, really is. If, mm. if it wasn't for everyone else chipping in, we'd just be a couple of crazy people with a house full of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and so to our listeners, go um go and check ACT out, donate if you if you're in the place to adopt, adopt. And thank you for listening. Bye, everyone.